Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. some things when it came to uh, uh, millennials, baby boomers, Gen X's, just the generation uh, changes and the transition as far as church goes, whether it be black church, whether you consider black church or white church or whatever have you. And um, just that has been something that's been on my, my mind for a long, for a minute right now. So, um, and um, I put out a post, um, can't remember exactly what it was, a few months ago, and I said um, there's, a, you, there's an obvious uh, disconnect between baby boomers and millennials and um, I said everybody is sitting in their own corner wanting to give their own side of why they feel they you know need to continue or why they feel like millennials ain't ready yet and then millennials are sitting on this side it's like we ready to step in and that needs to be some type of bridge, gap, uh, bridging of the gap and you can tell the communication is often and I said um, the problem, I say the saddest thing about it is is that we really shouldn't be at war with each other because there's no legacy without millennials for the baby boomers. And then there's no wisdom to carry on what baby boomers established without the baby boomers pouring into the millennials. And then we had a lot of people to say, well, that, gen- that Generation X gap right there, there was only ones that could bridge the gap. So that's where this all came from. And it's just been on my heart about the church in general um, really uh, making, really being intentional about pouring into this new uh, this new generation because they are the church of today. Like, it's no more tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally the church of the day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think it's important, and the reason I brought Ryan here is because we're both millennials. Uh, Ryan is, uh, you know, Elderly, elderly. <laughs> elderly. Yeah. Okay. I'm old, I'm just, I'm old now. Uh, I, I just turned 30, so I'm just over the hill. I just turned 32 on Friday, so. Oh, then I'm the eldest over yeah. you, because I'm actually 35. There you go. So you the elder. I'm the elder. Yeah. I'm actually just, like, I'm the top part. What is it, millennials? Like 80, 82, something like that? Yeah, something around yeah. there. Yeah. I'm two, three years in. I'm two, three years away from being a <laughs> something else. So yeah. I'm actually the elder of the elders. But I um, I know one thing about Lisa and and Ryan as well that you all have that man. You all have that voice um, or that the baby boomers and Gen Xs they really listen to you all voices. So I was telling Lisa, I was like, man. Um, you you've been blessed by the grace of God. She says God, and that I that I've had the opportunity to just to have the ear of the baby boomers and the leaders of the church. So you know she you know just to have, you know be involved with something she's doing. And God, you know I really thank thank God for it. You and Ryan. So yeah. um, and just the simple fact that you all have those ears of the uh, the the leaders of the church, whether it be Gen X's or baby boomers, I think it's something that. We need to kind of uh, give to our generation that can help us carry out and help us get those ears. Like, what is it that you actually did, or what do you consider? I know you say it's the grace of God, and I know for both of you probably say <laughs> ain't, ain't no telling. But like, what did what did y'all do to really mm-hmm. like? What what did you see yourself? Did you have a plan, or when did you know that? Man, the, the 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 leaders of the church actually would consider what I have to say. Mm-hmm. I'll let Ryan go first. Um, I'm very ambitious. Like I'm extremely ambitious. I 
So around, you know, like around the age I was getting out of college, like 22 years old or whatever, I decided I wanted to be a leader in whatever I was going to do. And I needed to be around people who are already leaders, who already knew how to lead people. Right. And so I, I was kind of an apprentice, intern, uh, whatever you want to call it, around those type of folks um, in every area of my life. In, in ministry, I would do that as far as being a, like an honor bearer and so forth as far as in, in my career. At work, you know, I would go sit by the boss and want to kind of, you know, glean from him as much as I could. And I consistently did that for years. I'm not talking about like one or two years, but like I still do it. Um, and so eventually those people trust you because you've been around them enough and it's all about consistency. Um, for me, um, I literally just listened to them and tried to emulate what they were doing. And when I disagreed with them, I was spending enough time with them where I feel like they would hear me out. They didn't always agree with what I had to say, right. but I feel like I was around them enough where they deemed what I was saying was credible. Like I actually had their perspective because I was around them to have their perspective. And I had my own perspective being 23, 25, 27 years old. Like, hey, well, I think it's another way we could approach this. And, you know, they haven't always, you know, kind of changed ways, but they at least heard me out um, because of the time I put in. So. The first thing I would say is, is important when you try to have an impact on someone who doesn't deem what you're saying is credible. That's essentially what's happening. Right. That generation is saying, well, you don't know enough. You know, you, you haven't been here. You haven't had my experiences. And you're saying, yeah, you're right. I don't have those experiences, but that doesn't mean I can't be, you know, a stakeholder. That doesn't mean I can't add something to the situation. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that they're going to move toward us. I think we have to move towards them and spend time with them, not just through just fellowship, but kind of learning from where they've been so we don't make their same mistakes. And that's what's benefited me. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am outside of the grace of God, like you said, but if it hadn't been a lot of older people opening up doors for me and allowing me to sit in rooms I had no business being in. And uh, it's worked out. And I think, I think if we would kind of approach it from at least the standpoint that we have something to learn, right. from a humble standpoint, right. and then add our energy Add our enthusiasm, add, you know, all the kind of youth things. Right. Uh, we can get a lot of stuff done, not just in church, but in society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I would agree with Ryan, mm -hmm. that whole approaching them like I'm trying to learn from you, that humility goes a long way. It's like, you know, I come to the table knowing that I have fresh ideas, but sometimes the fresh ideas that I've had, they tried it back in 1977 and it didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's why your fresh idea is not so fresh to them because they're like, I've tried that before. It didn't work and here's why. But if you go in like, this is going to be the new thing and it's going to fix everything. And they're like, okay, no, it's not. And if you're not open to listen to why it won't, um, then they're, you're not going to be credible in their eyes because it's like, let them share their wisdom with you. Okay. And you see the value in who they are and what they add. And the more you listen to them and the more you're humble and say, oh, man, I didn't know that. Oh, that's something I didn't know. And spend the time with, with, with them as an understudy, the more they'll be willing to give you access to things. And I want to add something that's really important. Everybody respects accomplishments. Everybody respects people taking initiative, having grind, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you don't follow through with anything in your life, if you're not following through with kind of things that, you know, just basic stuff in your life, if you're not living uh, a life of example, you know, as far as, um, you know, paying your bills, um, you know, going to church, you know, showing up on time, like the basic stuff, don't expect an elder to listen to you. Like, they're not going to yeah. hear you out Yeah, your life is jacked up. Yeah. Like, they don't, they're not going to be like, how you going to tell me what I should be doing when you don't know or you don't, you're not living out what you should be doing? In other areas, you know, right. it doesn't it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Right. And so you first gotta check the box of just, you know, I'm not gonna say being holy, but at least, you know, not being covered in sin to the point to where it's like you're not even practicing our faith. Right. So at least practice our faith before you come correct. Cause I and I'm and I'm gonna say something and I'm gonna keep it keep it real one like I think that was a turning point in my life, um, not just in uh them, I, I began to get the ear of my elders when they saw that I actually settled down and was preparing to spend the rest of my life with one woman. Yeah. Like yeah. before then, yeah. they knew, brother, you 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 anointed, <laughs> we thank you anointed, we thank you gifted, we thank you, you got all of those good qualities. But 
you know, we need to see some something long term because you can change your mind about singing in entertainment. That's and you can go do something else to establish something um, that has a, a tradition in it, marriage, something that God has has instituted in His church. To see me make, take that step and say, you know what, this is something I'm going to do, and that not, that's not for everybody. I'm not saying go get married that would change everybody's mindset, but I think that was just my personal uh, situation. What happened to me when I decided to, you know, be like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead on and do this with this one woman because before they saw, they watched me grow up. They watched, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They see you do a couple things. They see you do a couple things. So it's just like. That's, that can speak volumes to them about your life in general and the type of decisions that you will make. Something so simple as your relation, uh, how you handle relationships with people. And I think um, uh, our generation, we do have to learn to take one for the team when it comes to uh, uh, understanding that they want to see that you're willing to make some type of sacrifice. Because they did. They made a lot of sacrifices. There has to be uh, some uh, uh, cost counting in the process for them to be like, okay, I see, and uh, you know that you're actually paying attention to some things, and, and now I can see that you're trying to do something uh, for more than just yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was important. Yeah, and I think even when you're talking about consistency, and this is something Ryan has said, uh, they want to see that you're consistent in whatever you're doing. Right. If you every week you can't be launching a new initiative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on social media, one week you're doing something, the next week you're launching something else, and there's no follow-through in any of your ideas. Yes. So therefore, they're not going to really take anything you're saying, because one week you're an author, one week you're a music producer, yeah. one week you're a movie star, you know, you all over the place, and you haven't, you know, saw something through um, and going through that path. And it's hard to see things through, because you're going to have moments where it looks like it's failing. Um, and you will want to quit and do something else. But in order to be successful, you have to see things through. And I think the older generation wants to see the younger generation walk through things and see things through. Um, so if it is marriage, if it is business, if it is school, completing things, um, they want to see that you've completed things um, in order to for them to, to see you as a credible person. More than discipline. Essentially, right, like this one, but it's not all about all the things we can do. It's certain things they can kind of do to help out as well. They can have an open mind, right? Because um, I know, for example, I've been in a lot of rooms where I actually had something credible to say that could help the situation, and because of my age, I was totally shut down. Um, and I'm someone who is somewhere so called accomplished, um, and, and so you know, there are elders out there, there are you know, kind of statements of, of different fields, especially in ministry. Who are not open to anyone under the age of 40 mm -hmm. or you know it's, you know you got to check a certain box like for example I, I know folks as far as marriage if you haven't been married 15 years I don't care what you say right. now and then some I'll be married 10 years right. and I, I don't know everything but I know I know a little bit Absolutely. I know a little Absolutely. bit but but I know folks who would say you haven't been married 15 years you can't be over the marriage ministry now I don't expect you to put somebody over the marriage ministry who's been married you know that's a little newlywed one or two years but you know, somebody who's been married, you know, five or six years, and and they're they're still in their thirties. Let's get them as the example Absolutely. over the marriage ministry because guess what? They're gonna show our other folks in the that's that's millennials Absolutely. how to do it right. Absolutely. You don't want someone leading millennials that millennials can't relate to. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, we can't have these job descriptions. That's why I like to call them these job descriptions that most. Uh, yeah, most ministries try to go by. You gotta fit in this box. If you don't fit in that box, right, we don't wanna hear you. And and I think that's 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 something that definitely has to be worked upon as far as on the other side. Yeah, and sometimes it helps to get somebody to co-sign for you that they do uh trust. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you if yours is not uh necessarily if they don't see you as credible, you can always attach yourself to somebody they do see as credible. To kind of co-sign for you, and then sometimes they'll bring you on just based off the credibility of another person. How, how many times have we done that? Like, <laughs> me, I, don't, I, I can't speak for everybody else in the world, but I know me and Lisa does do, does that for each other, like almost quarterly, <laughs> not monthly. I'd be like, hey, I need to talk to so and so. You know, can you set up a lunch? Can you, you know, 
let them know I, you know, I'm, I'm a real person and not fake. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, and, and, and that's what, because I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because I just, I have to be honest, there's a level of incompetence that, like, that incompetence that sometimes get thrown at a millennial, like, when they just step in the room, like, they, uh, they just don't think that, it's like, like you said, the ears get shut off because it's like, if you haven't lived this long, or you haven't accomplished these things, or you haven't done this, it's like, we don't, have, we don't, we don't want to listen to you. And I think a lot of times that comes from because of what they have established, it has been working. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about that because just because something has been working, that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, shine a little hill, you know, just fix some little things. Because what happens is, is that they established such a great movement of this thing working that, in hindsight, the work that they did 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, is still working for them. But the way it was moving is not moving like that anymore. So you can still, you can see it slowing down. Like the millennials can see that, hey. This is slowing down. And I don't want to just say millennials. I think they notice it as well, too. Sometimes that it, it may not be moving as fast, but it's still moving. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what what is it that we can do to say, hey, you know what? I, I, you know, I don't want to change everything you're doing. Um, I want to uh, add to it. I want to uh, make... I just want you to notice. Mm -hmm. Not even... Not even not even before I even say let's do something about it, do you notice that this thing is slowing down? Do you know that the business or the church, uh, the, 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 the way you were supposed to be moving as a family, as a kingdom, it is actually slowing down to where you're not allowing what's in-house to keep that thing producing the way it can so it can keep carry on after you're here. Like what, you know, that it, it, it's, it's like, we gotta be willing to say, hey, this is not working the way it was. So what can we do? How can we address that? Like, I think one of the ways we can address it is by using uh, the testimonies of other people. Because mm -hmm. sometimes when we come and bring complaints, we bring them as a one individual. Gotcha. And so we don't say, okay, I've actually, you know, when I wanted to start apologetics at my church, one of the first things I did was ask, uh, my pastor, which is my dad, could I survey the people and see what they knew about the subject? And so from that, I had real facts to back up what I wanted to incorporate in in our in the church. Right. You know, I you know I it depending on how much credibility. I mean, it was my dad, so. <laughs> <laughs> but depending, right, right, depending right. on how much credibility you have with the leader. You make it implement like a survey to see, you know, an anonymous survey where people are. Is this a really effective, especially if you're going to survey millennials? And people can't argue with numbers. Okay. They can't argue with what's on paper. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, if they sometimes they feel like, well, your complaint is embellished. But if you're able to show them something and show them documentation, sometimes it makes your point um, a little bit stronger. Okay. Cool. I agree. Um, I also think that at the end of the day, it boils down to if you're willing to change or if you if you grown complacent. Because mm -hmm. a lot of a lot a lot of churches these days, they're happy with the congregation, everybody getting along, what they feel to be getting along. Right. And they don't they say they don't want new members, but do they really want new members? Right. Do they really want to get to know someone and be uncomfortable and have to do different programs? Not even so much programs, different activities that will involve other people with different perspectives mm -hmm. and different. You know different likes and dislikes. Yes. Um, I know I've, I've been a part of ministries where they just did that wasn't that wasn't what we wanted to do. That wasn't what it was. It was it was more geared apart. You know you know let's not rock the boat. Let's not do anything that's going to actually make us have an uncomfortable walk. We want to be comfortable. Right. And and Friday night you know I don't want all that loud music. <laughs> you know Saturday I don't want to deal with all them, all them young kids. You know what I'm saying let's just come on Sunday. Give a couple hymns and call it a day. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and sometimes you become complacent and you become comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, that's not always a good thing. Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not. 
And I think it's important um, your approach and your tactic when you go before people. Because if you come wrong, then you're not going to be received well. Um, and what is your interaction? I remember talking to a, a, a hip hop artist, a Christian hip hop artist in North Carolina, and him telling me that no matter the degrees he got, no matter what he re achieved, black church leaders wouldn't take him seriously. And I was like, you know, the reality is that maybe, you know, your whole get up is t-shirt, a uh, 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 baseball cap. And so they have a certain persona and perception in the way they view you. So maybe your a, be a better approach would be maybe to dress up in a suit. Because right. you know this traditional black church. Yeah, absolutely. Dress up in a suit. And then talk to them just on their level. Absolutely. And let them get to know you outside of the hip-hop kind of get up. Right. Um, and then they'll see, okay, he has wisdom. He has understanding. He has knowledge. He does have something to add. But if you just go out the gate, you know, a uh, t-shirt, a uh, 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 baseball um, cap, jeans, pants, yeah. <laughs> sagging, yeah. you, you might not get that ear because they're going to be cut off by your appearance. And you trying to get into a traditional black church, right. as, uh, black black suit, uh, white church. Absolutely, Sunday best, Sunday mm -hmm. best. And I mean, what helped me is that I did my research on their generation. Like I did my research on when they were coming up. I took a look at my uh, pastor and how uh, he moved um, when he was actually building the church and the others around the city and just during that time that they actually grew up themselves. Mm -hmm. Like if you take a moment uh, and look at that day and age, there was a lot of unity in black communities around that time because of what we were just coming out of when it came to segregation and things like that. There was a lot of, you know, being proud of being your race when it came to being a black person. Black. There was a lot of, you know, revolutionary men, whether it be in sports, entertainment, and you had these figures that you can look up to and really say that we can do something different. Mm -hmm. And the way they approach the game in such a professionalism that in their mindset, hey, listen, that's how we came up. That's how we gonna, we want to view in it. That when it, when we know somebody is is being serious about something, it's the way they approach the things. I looked at a, a press conference where I saw uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I saw Jim Brown, mm -hmm. um, I saw um, something bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. and I think that what uh, how baby boomers in general, that's how they, they, they come in, it's like, listen, we want to know that you're serious. We want to know. For me, I had to show them, I do Christian hip-hop as well, hip-hop music, but I had to show them that I can worship God outside of just hearing some, you know what I'm saying, that there's a sincerity in my heart when it came to understanding who God is and worshiping Him. And I began to get the ears of the leaders around me just by simply uh, dying to the simple fact that they don't want me rapping on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And dying to the simple fact that if anything upbeat is like, you know, here we go again. Yeah, it's just like a turn off. I had to, you know, say, you know what, for for a time, for the time being, I'm gonna put that to the side because I know that we could come back to that. I have a chance to. You, you said a cuss word, you said dying itself. <laughs> yeah. You said you said humility. Yeah. And and a lot of folks our age don't want to do that. They they want to approach stuff like I don't need to compromise for anybody. Right. And, and and that's just the wrong attitude to have. If you walk into a situation where you're you need some something from someone else, but yet you're not willing to give anything up. Like you're not willing to compromise, you're not willing to wear different clothes, you're not willing to show up on time, you're not willing to do the things that's gonna, you know, be able to get everybody on the same page. But yet you demanding all this from somebody else, that's just not realistic. Absolutely, absolutely. It's really not, and I don't really know how, like I'm trying my best in so many ways to, to get that across to some of this, because we got something that's in their prime. Yeah. And they just like, we don't want to eat it. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think a they lot woke. of, they, yeah, they, they woke. They woke. They woke. <laughs> they woke. <laughs> they woke. <laughs> and, and this is what I say, based off of this conversation with some of them, um, you can see a lot of hurt, just a lot of rejection. And I think a lot of them speaking, and that's another thing with me, I'm a very emotional person. A lot of people may not even know that, but 
I'm a very, like, I can, I have a tendency to wear my emotions sometimes on my sleeve, but I had to learn how to overcome that by the grace of God, thank you Lord, and he's still working on me. Yeah. But I had to learn how to um, have those hard conversations with my leaders um, um, instead of allowing it to, to soak in and turn into some type of bitterness and resentment. And then that's what you're speaking out of a lot of times. So I see a lot of our generation doing a lot of that. What can we say and do to them to actually help them walk through that? Of course, we know this is a God thing. Got to be willing to uh, uh, stay in communion with the Lord and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work. But what is some other just practical things that we can do for them to understand that um, to deal with these inner issues so that you can ultimately be used in the kingdom of God how you see fit or how you feel like God is calling you in that area? I think for me, the, the big thing is when you're talking about how millennials carry a lot of hurt from the older generation is to kind of do self-reflection and remember the hurt you caused us. Because we can really, you know, be wounded in, uh, easily, but wound others without even thinking about it. Yep. So this is the generation that like to pop off on people. Absolutely. To uh, go off at the drop of a hat. Keep it. Keep it. So it's easy for them to wound but not easy for them to receive wounds. Absolutely. And so when you remember how much you've hurt another person, you'll have grace for the fact that people are going to hurt you. And the expectation sometimes we have is when we come in church, we're not going to be hurt. But we're all wounded people trying to serve a God, um, a perfect God. So we're you have to come in the church knowing that I'm going to be wounded intentionally, unintentionally, because I'm dealing with wounded people. And I always say anytime you're dealing with broken glass, you have to be careful because you can wind up getting cut. Preach. And that's the reality of church people. We're all broken glass trying to help each other and we wind up cutting each other and trying to help people get fixed. And that's the reality. So you have to remember that, hey, you just popped off at some girl uh, at the gas station for cutting you off. Yeah. And what if she was having a bad day? What if that wounded her deeply? So then you could go to your pastor and say, you know what, you you didn't speak to me the right way that day. Um, this is something that offended me, and you know I want to address it. Now everybody's not going to necessarily deal with you the best, but sometimes we are walking with wounds because we haven't went to the person who wounded us and had a conversation. We went to somebody else and said, look what pastor did to me. Uh, you heard this, and then we talked to everybody else but the source. And you're not going to do anything but actually make the problem worse. If you don't go directly to the person, that's what you say. Go directly to him. And not realizing that Jesus puts more value on reconciliation than he does your giftedness. So he said, leave your gift and go be reconciled. Mm. And so we want to give our show our gifts in the midst of us being hurt because we don't want to do the hard work of being reconciled to our brother and sister. And so I think practically we just need to go to people and then remember the fact that we hurt people. And that will give us grace to deal with those who hurt us. Amen. Amen. That's nothing to say after that. And I mean, and, I mean and, and just to piggyback off of that, it's just like they may not give you the response you're even looking for. Like you may, you may walk away from that conversation still not getting what you felt that you should have gotten. Um, but I think that it's very important that we consider that um, just like Lisa said, you're human, they're human, there's things that you've done, there's things that you've probably done to people that you have no idea, yeah. and they have never came and said anything to you, you have to take those things into, into consideration. That's good. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I wanna ask both of you all of this, um, and Lisa in particular, because I had a conversation with you, but I, I just recently heard it, and me and a, a, a friend of mine was talking about it, and. It's, it's one of them, one of them ones, all right? It's one of them. Okay. okay, so black church, mm -hmm. what we consider black church, okay? A, a lot of millennials um, and even some Gen, Gen, Gen X's, um, what we have come, well, some have come to the conclusion that in black church, when you have the church leaders, baby boomers, whatever, who have, there's no moving, there's no 
pouring out, there's a lack of training, there's a lack of discipleship, um, and some believe that that's the reason behind that is is insecurity of your leader, never having it's we the the, the if we be honest. Where we come from, we we we're, we want a lot in a lot of leadership. We when and when we get a chance to be a leader and be in leadership and be out in front, it's hard to give it up. We 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 are not sharing that throne. So you know, quote unquote, we're not sharing that seat. We're not sharing that that this table. Which we're not we're not inviting you to the table. Um, what could we could we say those are facts or alternative? It's like, could we? I'm, 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 and and I, yeah, because it's not a. I, I don't know how to really word it as far as a question, but no. what is your view? What is both of your you all view on that? Like, can, is there some truth to that? And if so, uh, what can we do to help, like, bridge the gap in that situation? Because I'm gonna say my own personal experience. I believe some of that to be true. Like, I really do. Like I believe there's an insecurity there, there's an intimidation that happens that takes place when you come in and you have these conversations with the very same people that are important to your life, and then you and they treat you like you, they don't know who you is, mm-hmm. or they treat you like I ain't got nothing for you, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, man, it's it's a it's a sense of abandonment that 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 can happen if you allow the enemy to play those games with your mind. Mm-hmm. But I look at it as a form of just being insecure sometimes. And being a human being, but like, what can be done to help actually bridge those gaps where they can, where we can get their ears and say, "Hey, have you considered this?" You know, what can you say about that? I think for me, one of the things that's helped me is the fact that I'm a woman, and I think that disarms leaders because uh, they know I'm not trying to take their church. In right. um, the reality, I think you know those what you share aren't. Necessarily, I'll turn the fact those are facts. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen some of my uh, uh, friends that are men have different results than me because they, there may be the intimidation factor with men. So, where being a woman in, in some in some spaces, people think will work to my disadvantage. In my current state, it works as my advantage because people don't think I'm trying to take their church. I'm not trying to be a pastor. I don't care nothing about taking nobody's church. I'm really just trying to uh, get the politics in the black church. That's my goal. Right. So that kind of, I think, disarms people. Uh, for me, I don't know what the strategy and the best practice would be in that sense. I'm going to let Ryan speak to that. Uh, but <laughs> I know for me, I think it's been a little bit easier because I'm a woman and I don't have the ambition to be a pastor. You know, yeah. I just that's just not my lane. That's not my thing. Right. So because of that, it's a disarming thing where people are like, oh, okay, it's like you're not threatening. Right. Um, but the, historically, the fact that power hasn't been given to us as African Americans, and sometimes people hold on to the doctor, bishop, reverend title so strongly in the body of Christ because they haven't experienced leadership outside of the church, which is historically a problem because, you know, our society has marginalized African Americans. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's the reality. But I will say to my brothers and sisters that are watching that see these, you know, multi ethnic, you know, white spaces and say, man, they got so much discipleship and structure, they also have resources and money. Absolutely. And they have money to pay staff to do this. Yeah. And so sometimes African Americans don't have the money and resources to have the same things that, you know, our white brothers and sisters have because they don't have the money for staff. You're going to get different results when you're paying somebody $50,000, $60,000 to lead a discipleship program versus when it's a volunteer mm-hmm. who got a family and kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the grace to consider the economic disparity that's within the church um, plays a major role um, in the, you know, we, the lack of, they say, training in some instances because there's just not enough resources to pull. Uh, and so I think that's, that's something we can have to consider um, within the black church. Um, and if you see that being a lack, why don't you say, hey, pastor, instead of leaving the church, say, hey, can I do this discipleship program at the church? 
if you feel that strongly. But sometimes the instinct is to abandon ship. And if you abandon ship, you're only perpetuating the problem. Mm. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that was great. That um, was. From, from the from the It's a really loaded question, and I don't know how to tackle it without taking an hour sermon. <laughs> I got, uh, you. I got but, you. But but briefly, it's a, it's a it's a generational problem because if you look at the Book of Judges, that was the very problem. You would have twenty or thirty years of you know great leadership, and the right. people were living right and correct right. in the Book of Judges, and then you would have it where the, the the older generation wasn't blessing the younger generation like like they should have been, right. and the younger generation would come up in a way that was not right, and then we would see how the church of the you know the people of Israel would become, and then they would have to be saved all over again, right. and have to go through uh, a bad. Bad period, and that's exactly what's happening right now. We have the older generation in church, and nobody younger in church, and so we need older uh, pastors and leaders and apostles and deacons and every other term we have in the body of Christ, um, the fivefold <laughs> ministries, to come and, and help somebody and bring them up. And but Lisa's talking right. Me, I'm young, I'm, I'm able-bodied, and, and a pastor sees me as a threat yeah. because you're gonna take my church, you're gonna take my ministry away, you're gonna run off with my members. And I think that very concept is screwed because they're not your members. Yes. <laughs> they're not your members. They're yes. not um, They're not your people. They're God's people. And your job is to just be a shepherd. Your job is to serve them. They're not here to serve you. And we could go on that for all day. Um, but but after you get past that point, from, from my perspective, um, the first thing we can do uh, as a millennial, as a young man in the, in the, in the church, because most of us end up in maybe three or four different kind of paths in the church. As far as a youth pastor, you know, as far as, um, you know, evangelistic or missionary ministries. And you have, uh, you know, singing, psalmstress, all that kind of the wonderful world. Um, and then you have, you know, the kind of the deaconess, deacon kind of path for being a layman. You know, right. you know and, and we end up in that box. And I argue against that all day because that's not the only way to serve the body of Christ. That isn't. I don't serve the body of Christ in that fact. Well, I do from a standpoint of a title or a position, but I serve every day in, in the businesses that I run and the employees that I come in contact with by not just leading every meeting with a prayer, but how I interact with them and I may be the only Bible they see. Right. So ministry is not based in four walls. And if the pastor get out of that mindset, and the and the and the and the young man could get out of the mindset that I don't only have to have leadership inside these four walls. I can go be a leader in my fraternity. I can go be a leader, you know, in, in, in any kind of social activity I want to be a leader in, or even in your career through Christ. Right. Like that's not the only way we can get leadership or power. And we can just be honest that we all want power for a second and stop acting oh, like we don't. <laughs> we all want power, and there's nothing oh, wrong with man. it. You know, like I, I mean. I, People talk about you know the money that my wife and I've been blessed with. I would much rather influence, which is what basically power is, over money. Um, influence, you know, because I want influence because I want other people to see what Christ has done for me, and I want to share that with someone else. Um, but I, I think we need to get past this this, this this flawed concept that oh I don't really want this or I don't really want. This. Yes, you do. You do. <laughs> yes, you and, do. And, 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 and a lot of times even what happens that I have that I see and I have uh, saw. In the past, it was just dealing with uh, black leaders in the church. A lot of times, you have what you consider parent ministry. Mm -hmm. So it's just like I only say and do what my pastor say and do. I only go where my pastor say mm -hmm. and go and do it. And there's no challenging of the mind outside of that. At the end, you have people vicariously living mm -hmm. through their leader, mm -hmm. and there's no get up and go get it. There's no ambition yeah. for their own selves to start building their own legacy and just or just building for their family in general. They're satisfied with saying, my pastor got this, my pastor got that, my, my bishop got this, my, my bishop got that, my leader got this, my leader got that. And it's like, that's just not, I mean, if, if we wouldn't be here enjoying the fruits of what you consider they accomplished if they had that mindset. Yeah. Well, look at it like this. If you can't go to a, a conference, a church service that your pastor hasn't approved, that's a problem. Yes. Because that's, I mean, but think about the, the kind of the culture that is coming up in within our, you know, black church. Pastors say don't eat from every table. And people will feel like they're sinning if they go to a church 
that that pastor don't know they're going to. Right. Like, are you serious? Like, when do we get to the point to where it's like your allegiance to God is through one person? Absolutely. And it's, I mean, we have a mediator, but that man, a mediator is not your bishop or apostle. That mediator is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and so my whole thing is we have to get from the standpoint of look at my pastor. My pastor is this. My pastor is that. Because that's the very concept when we find out these stories online about pastors running out of people's houses and doing all the stuff oh, they got to do. Now, now they church hurt and they don't want to deal with God anymore because of what a man did. Yeah, absolutely. So your relationship has to be through Christ, not through a person. I'm getting off on a side topic, but I think it's imperative that we understand that you can find leadership opportunities from a young man perspective outside of the church. And that can meet your need until you're ready to step in that lane if that's what you want. I don't want that. Right. Because I've, I've heard so many hard stories and seen so many bad things in church. I'm sorry, you couldn't pay me enough to deal with these people. I'm currently the, uh, the, uh, considered the worship pastor yeah. here uh, at the Ville Church and just to see what uh, Jay goes through on a daily basis, man. That's not. That's good. nothing I want for my yeah, life. Yeah, nothing good. I want for my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the the position that I carry alone is just like, who's who thought that it was good for me to be? Because <laughs> it's just that's you know what I say. God, if you got me here, you got me, and I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But yeah, it, that that's just that's very important. That's so key that what you said, Ryan. Just understanding that you can you can find that outside of the church until you feel like. You're actually ready to do that, and 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 be okay with that. And we and I want people to be okay with saying they want some form of power. They wanna they wanna grind. They wanna go get it. That's ambition. That's, that's a good thing. That's like when, when someone wants to like Andrew Gillum from the mayor of Tallahassee just announced he wants to run for governor of the state of Florida. Right. He is I want to say he's 37, 38 years old, mm -hmm. and he's been killing it since he was 16. Right. He's like on his his track. There is nothing wrong. People like we just how, when do we not want our people to aspire for greatness? Mm -hmm. Like at what point in time did that become a problem or a sin? Yeah. To want to be great, to yeah. want to you know, achieve the highest heights uh, and have influence and be able to project down. Like it's not, I don't see anything wrong with Tim Tebow wanting to play baseball, play football, like why he got to do all, because that's what he want to do. Like what's wrong with trying to be great? Like, so I, I think we have to get away from that mindset of aspiring to do things and, you think you something special, or you you know kind of that that hater mentality, right? And just embrace it and go for whatever your dreams made, but don't feel like it has to be within the four walls of the church. And my thing is, you have to be, you should be confident in what your pastor, or bishop, or leader has poured into your life since you've been there. To where if you go somewhere, yeah, you can rather divide from that ain't where I don't and be confident in knowing that as they out. They know what they know what they need to do. They know what decisions they need to make. They 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 know that where it's home. Yeah. And then if it changes, have confidence in knowing that hey, I poured enough in them to understand that, that they pick a place where they say you know what we can be effective here. Or maybe it's time for us to move here, yeah. move here, and not take it as if you still at my member. Mm -hmm. You take it my member, that type of thing. So you know, I think it just works both ways. I think millennials have to be able to distinguish whether you're being manipulated or whether you're being protected. Yes. Um, sometimes your leader knows more about the person that you're going to try to sit under or learn from than you do, and they're trying to protect you. Yeah. That's one thing. That's yes. real. That's because they're 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 watching out for your souls as leaders. They have a responsibility as shepherds to watch out for their members' souls. But if that's not the case, in other cases, like Ryan, it's just manipulation. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be able to discern whether this person is trying to manipulate me or trying to protect me. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it's manipulation. In some cases, it's protection. So really understanding, saying, hey, why? You know, give a little bit of pushback. Why? Okay, you think the teaching is off? Okay. This and you know, can you give me a little bit of examples or whatever? And then that, if they're open to do that, they're probably trying to protect you. But if they just don't have no examples, if they don't have no reasoning, but you belong to this church, you don't have to go to no other church, then that's probably the election. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. This is real good stuff. Um, millennials. Um, just understanding the role that they play. Um, I think it's very important as well 
to understand that there needs to be some type of, and we tend to get lost in everything else but this biblical foundation, like theology. Why are you, why are you cussing again? No, nah, <laughs> knowing what to say, when to say, know what you believe <laughs> and why. Yeah. And I think that there's so much out there from these different things or why we feel that we should be Christians and why we're not. And, and now we got this thing to it. Now we have to literally in this day and age say, because uh, everybody's a Christian. Christian. Now we got to say, are you a culture Christian or are you a real Christian? Or should I even use Christian? Or should I say believer? Or whatever may have you. Um, I think that we, we got lost in the sauce, millennials, when knowing how important biblical foundation is for the path of wanting to be, even get a seat at the table, uh, leading. Um, I just, me and my wife just had this conversation um, a couple weeks ago about how important it is for us to go ahead and establish some type of plan for our family just for biblical times and reading. And our son ain't number three years old, but we, I've seen enough in him to where I say, he's picked up on stuff already that we do that fast. Yes. And it's like, man, I never thought, you know, when he was just coming out of the womb or when he was one, I was like, I ain't got to worry about that now. Mm -hmm. He's three. And I'm like, I need to worry about this now. I need, has influences. Yes. I need to pick, I need to start developing a pattern of him understanding important for him to read and pray and things like that. And I think we got lost in the sauce when it comes to that. What can we, like, I know we just say, hey, boom, you got to know your word and you got to be able, but again, give us some, give us some details outside of that of what we can do to not only prepare ourselves, but to show our leaders that we are serious about the call on our lives. Well, now, I just want to say this, because I think Lisa has way more substance on this than I do. <laughs> um, but from a simple standpoint, what happens with us now is somebody puts out a video challenging something we learned when we were young. Right. And they present from the standpoint of, do you really know this or do you really know that? Mm -hmm. It gets a few million views and now you got people questioning their entire beliefs yeah. off of somebody that's woke and trying to wake you up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About a white god, about you know all this, all this or we, stuff. Or we get a pastor that yeah. said he's no longer yeah. a Christian because yeah. he's learned this. Yeah, yeah. You, you you got all this stuff, and then it challenges everything you believe. And and I I, I go back to the, the study to show myself approval unto God and workmen that need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. If you actually have a personal relationship with God and study the word of God for yourself, no one can knock you. The Bible talks about to and fro. You can't be knocked off. Right. Or if you have some, like, for, for example, for me in my life, God has shown himself mighty in my life so many times in bad stuff as well as in good stuff that I have no doubt that God's real. Mm -hmm. Because I have that personal connection to that. But everyone needs that individually or otherwise they're going to be knocked off on a right. regular basis. And it's outside of just your words. So, for example, like, I want to pull my whole card and tell all my business. Right. But 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 I, I do want to be open and honest about the fact that you got to be honest about the questions you have in God and not so secretive about them and not talk to other people. Seek counsel and those kind of things because those vulnerable things in your walk will get knocked way off your head. If, if you don't go to elders, if you don't can see or uh, confide in someone else and try to build your faith, the faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God. you got to be a part of it for it to grow. And if you let have, have weak faith and it's always getting social media knocking on it and your life is knocking on it, it's no wonder you fall off. It's yeah. no wonder you, you know, because you, you, you're not practicing it. You're not trying to encourage it or build it up. So being honest and vulnerable enough with God in your walk to ask for help, study your word, and see clarity um, and revelation in the word of God. Because I think we sometimes want to act like we're so built up in the word yes. that we can't be knocked off in the situation or circumstance can't have us in doubt. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you know, even, you know, so who who you want to pick out of the Bible? They all doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Every pick, last one. Pick one. Yeah. And that, that second one you said, ask questions. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to understand that we don't know. Like, yeah. we, we, if, if we don't know, we and don't. And that's okay. Like, he, yeah. he said, my ways are not your ways. Just all, you know, the heavens above the earth. You know, just like, you're not going to get it Absolutely. in certain areas and being comfortable with that. That's the whole point of faith. Like, 
but we want to walk in by faith and not by sight. The concept of this is really simple. Are you going to believe me even when you can't see it? Are you going to be down on top and putting your hand, right. your finger through my, my hand? Or, you know, what approach are you going to take? I need you to believe me even though you didn't see it, yes. even though you didn't touch it. Yes. That's the that's the, the definition of our faith. Yes. And um, I just think we got to be open to that and not think we need these, 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 these concrete proofs. Right. And without those concrete proofs, that's the way the world thinks. Yes. And the whole concept of us is like, nope, I believe. And because I believe, I have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think we got to be, uh, it's from a millennial standpoint, we got to be open and honest about that and, and kind of vulnerable for a little bit and okay with telling somebody, I don't know the answer, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good because we won't have all the answers to the questions. Then. Mm -hmm. With what we do at June 3, we try to help you get answers. But sometimes that answer leads you to another question. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it can go on and Absolutely. on and on and on and on. Um, I, when you were talking about, uh, when you were asking a question, the thought came to me. Brianna Parker, which has been on the podcast, wrote an article uh, for uh, Patheos about fugitives. Mm -hmm. And she describes a lot of black church um, millennials that left the church as fugitives. They never really were apart. They just were there kind of by force. Mm -hmm. And they left. And we're trying to get somebody that never really wanted to be a part of us anyway. Wow. Um, That's good. And, That's good. and so we're like, we gotta bring them back. And like, no, they yeah. they not really trying. They were never they were there because their parents made them come. Absolutely. They never believed <laughs> in the gospel. Absolutely. Uh they never wanted it for themselves. And we're trying to like, but we gotta get them back. They never work with us. Yep. Like, um, on the real tip. So I think that's important. Um, and when he was talking about, you know, being open and transparent, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of black millennials, there's a lot of hurt. And so when I deal with sometimes black leaders, that have been around older black preachers, sometimes there's, we have to acknowledge that there's some shadiness in some circles. Yes. So if you've been around that, it's easy for you to get jaded. Yes. Because you've seen somebody, you know, slipping and tipping, mm -hmm. creeping. You know, one of my friends was like, yeah, you know, I know I, sometimes I would have to drive my bishop, uh, my leader to, to do something that he wasn't supposed to do. But he was like trying to serve faithfully. So those things can change you. You know what I'm saying? Those things can cause you they to, can. and that leads you sometimes to start doing shady stuff. Because yes. you've seen the people you admire. But that goes back to, I feel like, when you see people doing shady stuff, that's when you gotta, you gotta jump ship. Yeah. You know, don't don't say I'm just gonna stay here under my leader. No, it's time for you to go. Because yeah. that stuff is gonna end. Evil communication will corrupt good manner. And mm -hmm. evil communication from somebody you respect is going to corrupt you faster then, than just yeah. regular evil communication. Yeah. And that's when you got to say, look, that don't mean you got to throw them and blast them, mm -hmm. but you got to jump ship because mm -hmm. that stuff is going to corrupt you. And that don't mean you don't love them. Mm -hmm. That don't mean you don't care nothing about them. But you have to look at what it can do to you in that moment. I've been there, done that, had to make some serious decisions in my life early in my Christian walk. And I was just like, there's no way that I can that I can make it without being in this organization, being in this establishment, or being here at this particular church. And <clears throat> I had to leave. It was early, early in my years as becoming a Christian. So I really didn't know uh, whether or not if I was making the right decision or was I, was I not doing the uh, integral thing by just protecting what... I saw my leader doing the way he was going through it. And it was just like, man, um, you know, um, that stuff, like you say, it can become a poison. Mm -hmm. it and it can come a, become a generational poison. Yes. I've seen people have, they did it, their daddy did it, their yeah. granddaddy did it. And it's because they got a hole and they saw too much too soon yeah. and they weren't able to handle it. So you have to, you know, assess the situation and say, okay, if this person is that comfortable letting me take letting me see what they're doing, that's a lifestyle. That's not me overtaking the fault. No, that's my life. Right. Um, now, it's one thing to be overtaken. That's a whole other thing. You know, you walk with people. But if this is how somebody lives, if they can preach one thing and then live completely opposite and be disrespectful to their families and the misrepresent God, that's something you have to practically, hey, I can't do this because I'm looking out for me 
and my relationship with God, and I want to become jaded, and I don't want to repeat these same things. Right. Um, because you will end up repeating them if you don't, you know, confront it. So. Um, or like touch on one more thing, if you don't mind. Hyper religion, okay, and I'm just, I might be wrong for using that term, okay? <laughs> um, but the game that changed when it comes to attire, <laughs> the external <laughs> approach, um, and we have a lot of people in the name of being um, conservative or being holy or not let your good be evil spoken of, or, um, uh, and then on, and then, so you got that side, and then on this side, you got all in the name of, I becoming all things to all men, <laughs> um, uh, what else you have, you have, uh, uh, I'm, I'm on that, that John the Baptist mission, I'm out here in these streets, and I'm getting in, and y'all don't understand me, or this ain't you understand like where can, like this hype hype I call it hyper religion when it comes to you and uh, you take my external and you just sum me up because of what you see. Um, how can we help baby boomers, Gen X, the black church, the leaders of the black church get through this uh, this phase of them understanding because it, it is changing. Like churches, we know it. There's a lot of churches where you won't you if you come in wearing a suit that you like you now the oddball. But like, you know if you come in wearing a button-up shirt, like this is considered dressed yeah. up for me in my church. Yeah. <laughs> if, when I wore this shirt, they was like, "Oh, that's a nice shirt." I see you. <laughs> And you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's a nice shirt. And it's like, but like this is like dressed up. Like, you know, um, how you my, balance it? Yeah, how you balance it? Like my pastor wears a hat yeah. and preaches a sermon. And he preaches about the gospel. It's powerful. We are very, very traditional in following what the Bible says, but we wear hats, we like jewelry, we got tattoos. I will, you know. Not leggings, but you know, <laughs> different type of pants. This, you know, Jordans when I'm leading worship or whatever. Where can like where where's the the the, the just the meeting and the understanding of the two can come out of that? What can we say? And what can we offer? I think you need to know where you are and where you're going. So if I'm going to a traditional church, I'm aware. But I mean, any. I'm dressed like this pretty much. If you know me, you know this how I dress. Right, right, right. So I dress business casual pretty much everywhere I go. That's just me. That's right. what that don't have nothing to do with the environment. I'm just that's how I, I choose to care myself. Yeah. Um, however, if you're going to a you know church that's more multi ethnic, uh, like like your church, that dress down, kind of come as you are. Hey, come as you are. You don't have to. But if somebody has a suit. Hey, you got to suit. You can't measure work. Right. Like you measure reality. If you go to a church that's more conservative, hey, don't don't always try to have to be the rebel. You know, when Paul he knew, you know, he was going to the council. He said, Hey, Timothy, you got to get circumcised. Mm -hmm. You know, because I want these people to hear you, and I don't want anything to be a distraction to them hearing you. So, hey, do. You know, when they're wrong, do what they do. Because, you know, you don't go to a job interview and wear a t-shirt and jeans and say, you know, I'm just doing me. You know, if, if you really care about the job. So I don't understand why we can't in certain sense, like what like Ryan said, sacrifice. Just to, if you're trying to get their ear. Not if you're just going to church, hey, you know, just be willing to say people might look at you cross-eyed. But don't hold it against them. Right. You know, just let it go. And I think the easier it is for us to just let stuff go, mm -hmm. the better we'll be. Because the more stuff you hold on to, the more toxic your soul becomes. Right. And if you go into a church service and you got on casual clothes and everybody, and you see and people looking at you funny and that disturbs you for a whole month, 
then there's some other stuff that's in your soul that you haven't dealt with. Absolutely. That just points, that's just the straw that's going to break the camel's back. Right. But in reality, you got a whole other stuff of bitterness that you carry with church people that you haven't dealt with. Yeah. And now you're going off because they looked at you crazy. <laughs> right. with, no, but if you're, if you're being healed and you dealt with the heart issues, then those kind of small things, people looking at you crazy, ain't going to sweat you. Those things only sweat you when you have bitterness built up. And, and I think my problem comes in a lot of times is, is that um, I've saw um, leaders, you know, just go at, and, th and this is why I asked the question, because I know families that they can't even wash clothes at me. They can't even, you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the economic needs mm -hmm are not even met the way they're met in your home and you concerned about them wearing the same black t-shirt, you don't even know that's probably all they got. Or you don't know that they can't even wash clothes like you can wash your clothes or go out and buy proper clothing like you want them to buy proper clothing. And, I, and I've saw to where we've labeled and where we have turned, uh, well, how can I use it? Not necessarily turn our back, but Turn them to themselves as to saying, you know, I don't want to deal with them because of how they even approach me or how they come into my church or how they, and like the gospel is not even the, the core. It's not even the center focus when it comes to the soul of this young man. It's all concerned. You, you're more concerned about uh, the way he looks or because how he approached you or he walk around and he twisted his hair and he got dreads and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, man, in, in the context of how we do church here, like, there's no way you're going to, like, I can't afford to be worrying about you mad because this guy ain't got no suit on or, or he ain't wearing the proper clothing in the context of how we do church. And I think in black communities, not everybody does church like the Ville Church. I don't consider the Ville Church a black church. I do consider the Ville Church being intentional about being in an area where predominantly black people and we have to be careful and we're being intentional about how we are approaching them and how we are doing church so that they feel safe, they feel comfortable coming in. What I feel like a lot of times getting uh, lost in the sauce is the core of the gospel being preached versus you being uncomfortable. You're the mature Christian. They, they should not be, you should be so uncomfortable that you're, you're, about, you're allowing these group of young men to come in and they're stopping you from preaching the word that you got to be at them all day as opposed to finding out why they are the way they are. Finding out why they're here. They came to you for, they're here for a reason. There might be a need. Some come in and some go, but sometimes if they're sticking around, it's probably a need. It's probably something here that they, that they need and they have to offer. And that's why I just brought that up. Brian, you got anything? Well, I, I, I was, you hit the you know, nail on the head when right. you talk about, you, you kind of worried about the wrong thing. Right. And you worry about their spirit, where their soul's going to go their eternity, right. and how the clothes they have on. You know, we can dress Christians up or, you know, whatever. You don't have to call them. You can dress people up all day. Absolutely. And we can make them look a certain way. I can put a tie and a suit on a brother and you, you think he's a stockbroker. That don't mean he know anything about, you yeah. know, finances. Absolutely. Um, so I don't see the point of making people look good on Sunday on the outward and they look terrible on the end. So let's focus on that. Uh, when you talk about uh, kind of the bigger brother approach, the book of Romans talk a lot about that from the standpoint of, you know, don't do something around the younger brother that's going to hurt their walk. But it's not about the younger brother not doing something for the older brother. Right. We all have to bear a burden for people who are neos or people who are still coming mm -hmm. into our faith. Our job is to make their walk easier, not for them to make our walk easier. Yeah. And I think uh, Paul did a great job of illustrating that in the book of Romans. Like, my job is to help you. And if that's you wearing a hat, wear a hat. Right. You know what I'm saying? But that don't mean that your hat is less than, you know, my walk and, and so forth. So you, you, you hit it, man. We got to focus on what matters. Are we baptizing each other? Are we walking upright? Are we actually living this, this life more like Jesus Christ and not... You know, checking the boxes that mean we're Christian, but we're right. not actually doing anything right. And we, as millennials, we have to make sure that we're being honest about the what we're dealing with. 
you know, mm -hmm. if we are struggling financially, if because they are needs and they are people that want to help. Right. They just don't know what the needs are because we're too prideful to say, I don't have food. Mm -hmm. I don't have a place to stay. I don't and there's a lot of good Christians that are mature that want to help. Right. Like there might be, you know, you every once in a while you'll get that pastor that see somebody come in that's going, and they're dead wrong because the mm -hmm. assumption is because they're in the pulpit, it means they're mature Christians. Mm -hmm. That that might not be the case, mm -hmm. but that that mm -hmm. reality. So if they're doing that, they might not be mature. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But you have. I would, I remember when I was teaching a, a discipleship workshop in Carolina, and there were young women that were in church plant, young African American women that were in like new urban church plants where everybody 20, 30, you know, everybody under 40, and then there was women in the a traditional black Baptist church that were, you know, 50s, 60s, right. and, you know, everybody, the young people that left, mm -hmm. and it's just the old people, and there's a lot, and they have to realize that there are older people who want to help, they just don't necessarily know how to help. There's some older people who don't want to help, that's rude, that's going to be disrespectful, that's going to be arrogant, but there are many others who authentically want to help yeah. and want to share their wisdom and want to be a resource. And you can't just shut down older people because you met a few bad apples. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be intentional about pursuing people because they want to, and older people have to be intentional about pursuing younger people. If we go after each other and humble ourselves, there's so much we can do for the kingdom of God because we need each other. We are codependent. Um, upon each other. Ain't nothing left to be said. <laughs> that was it there. Yeah. Lise, Ryan, thank y'all so much for taking the time out. Lise, thank you so much for bringing me into it and just letting me ask these questions to you both. Um, and we thank God for both of you all doing what you do for the kingdom of God. And we pray that you'll, you continue to be a voice on our behalf and help us to de uh, develop and <laughs> help those boomers to understand what we are and who we are. Appreciate it so much. I appreciate you too, Phil. Thank yeah. you. And we're, we're cutting. And Juthroproject.com. Check us out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, you can catch all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com or you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play by searching the Jew 3 Project. You can also get better equipped with our Bible engagement app by searching the App Store, Google Play or Apple App Store by searching the Jude 3 Project, and that will help you better engage scripture on a daily basis. If you would like to donate to the Jude 3 Project, go to jude3project.com and hit the Donate tab. In addition, you can follow us on, in, on social media by searching at Jude 3 Project on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, here at the Jude 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.